Awesome. Well, good morning, everybody, and thanks for the the blessing and the privilege of being with you all this morning. So, um, how to make friends, step one. Move halfway around the world. (laughs) It's probably not the most traditional advice when it comes to making friends, to be certain, but it is the start of the story of how I made my most recent good friend. In the fall of 2016, right after graduating from Garrett, I moved to Switzerland for five months to participate in a residential learning program. This program brought together Christians from all over the world, some clergy, some not, some Roman Catholic, some Orthodox, Protestant of all different flavors, to study about and to practice living ecumenism or Christian unity. I had never studied abroad before, not in college, not in seminary, and I had always kind of kicked myself for not taking advantage of the opportunity to. So when this study program first became a real possibility, I jumped at the chance, thinking, well, when am I ever going to have the chance to do something like this again? There were two other Americans in my program, and I quickly bonded with one of them in particular, a young woman from Austin, Texas, named Brianna. Turns out, when you move halfway across the world, you meet someone you know from back home with mutual friends. (laughs) Brianna and I had not one, but two mutual friends, one of them being Jarrell Wilson, who some of you might know from his time as a church plant resident here at UBC. There was a lot that Brianna and I had in common. Our love of Mexican food, which is impossible to find in Switzerland, by the way, (laughs) and of all things Southern. A tendency to wear yoga pants every day. Missing our significant others. She was recently engaged and I was soon to be engaged. And we also had in common strong opinions about that fall's upcoming presidential election back home. We were also very different in many ways, though. Brianna is five and a half years younger than I am, so that made for some pretty significant generational differences between us. We had different hobbies different personality types, and we had different approaches to life and to ministry. What really bonded us, though, were two things. One, our shared love of Jesus and of the church, and our desire to work for a more just and compassionate world. And two, our eagerness to travel Europe while we were there, to take advantage of our time in Switzerland, to take some risks and have some exciting adventures. We knew that the five months we had would be filled with once-in-a-lifetime opportunities, and we wanted someone to share those with. In a place that was foreign and unfamiliar, we wanted a familiar face by our side and a companion on the journey. We wanted a friend. We're in the middle of this sermon series here at Urban Village Church called, Is Anybody Out There?, We're exploring friendships and how friendships can build and sustain our lives, particularly as people of faith. And we're also talking about the barriers to finding and developing authentic friendships. So over the last couple of weeks, we've asked, what is friendship anyway? How do we define it? What does it really look like? And we've acknowledged our deep need for friendship and the loneliness that we can feel without it, especially in a big city like Chicago. So today, now that we've at least scratched the surface of what friendship is and our need for it, this morning we're going to try and tackle the topic of how to actually make friends. 
Making friends seems to be particularly hard for those of us who are in our 20s and 30s, for young adults. A study published in 2016 by researchers from a university in Finland and Oxford University in England found that starting at age 25, we lose more friends than we make every year. Interestingly, women lose them at an initially faster rate than men do. What I found curious and a little troubling as I was reading through parts of this study is that one of the markers that determined whether or not you invested in a particular friendship or potential friendship was how useful the person is to you. <laughs> you make the effort in return for some benefits, said one of the co-authors of the study, suggesting that at this point in life, people will prioritize those who are more useful to them. That investment will help certain aspects of your life, the other co-author added. Now, I don't mean at all to suggest that you shouldn't get something out of your friendships. Friends, of course, should add joy and stability and fun to your life. But if we base our friendships or our potential friendships on our own self-interest, what we alone are getting from the relationship, that I worry that we haven't really understood friendship and how we choose to invest our time and our energy, which are precious to us, in making friends. The passage of scripture that we heard this morning from the Hebrew Bible tells the story of one of the most interesting and perhaps one of the most controversial friendships in the Bible. Some of you might have heard of this guy David before. He's the shepherd boy who kills the giant Goliath with his slingshot. He is the king who rapes Bathsheba and then has her husband murdered to cover up what he's done. He's also the person credited with writing many of the beautiful poems and songs in the book of Psalms. But who is this other guy? Who is Jonathan? Jonathan is the eldest son of Saul, the first king of Israel. Elsewhere in the Bible, we learn that Jonathan is a talented warrior that he is beloved both by his father and the whole people of Israel. And we learn that he is a man of deep and sincere faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. As the eldest son, Jonathan is in line to inherit his father's throne and to lead the people of Israel. But Jonathan sees something in David, something that not only causes him to want to become friends with David, but that makes him want to follow a leader and a king like David. Where our story begins today, David has just come in from the battlefield after killing Goliath to report to his king what has taken place. Some commentary suggests that he is still carrying Goliath's head with him because that's not weird. <laughs> but whatever it is that David reports to Saul, whatever it is that he says, which isn't there in the scripture for us to read, it impresses Jonathan quite a bit and this immediate bond is forged between the two of them. From that point on, the message version of the Bible puts it, he would be David's number one advocate and friend. Scholars suggest that two things caused Jonathan to love David as his own soul. The first was a deep admiration and respect for David as a fellow warrior, something that they had in common. But the second might have been a deep admiration and respect for David as a man of faith. He saw a humility and an integrity in David that Jonathan was drawn to. 
So Jonathan does something rather bold, considering the fact that David is a total stranger, and something that we should pay attention to as we think about how to make friends. He gets up the courage to make the ask for friendship. He puts himself out there and says, let's be friends. We tend to talk ourselves out of doing that sometimes, don't we? We convince ourselves out of going to parties or events because no one we know is going to be there. One that I am especially guilty of myself, we think, well, I already texted that person once and they didn't reply. So I don't want to bother them by texting again or seem too eager or too desperate to hang out. One blogger I was reading this week wrote, I meet people and tell myself they probably wouldn't like me anyway. One of the first and most important practical steps that we can take towards making friends is learning to face our fear of rejection and being vulnerable enough to ask someone to be your friend. So the person you see at the coffee shop every day who's always reading a book that looks interesting, stop and ask them what they're reading and strike up a conversation. Or the runner in your neighborhood who runs at the same time as you every day, ask them if they might want a running buddy sometime. The person in your Facebook mom's group or cat lover's group or political interest group or whatever group you're in whose posts you always like because they have exciting and interesting things to say and you know they also live in Chicago, send them a message and ask if they'd be interested in getting together sometime. Now, it won't pan out every time, of course, but it won't ever pan out if we don't give it a try. Our scripture text continues, Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. He formalized it with solemn gifts, his own royal robe and weapons, armor, sword, bow, and belt. To use a common American phrase, he gave David the shirt off his own back. And this was a deeply sacrificial gesture of friendship. David would have arrived in Saul's courts wearing his shepherd's garb. Again, he came straight from the battlefield, so he would have been inappropriately dressed for the courts of a king. By giving David these items of clothing, he showed he was looking out for his new friend so that he would fit in with his new surroundings. But it's not just any robe and weapons that Jonathan gives to David. It's the heir to the throne's royal robe and weapons. Jonathan sees something in David, maybe something that David doesn't yet see in himself, a future king. It's an act of friendship that transcends self-interest. The one who is supposed to become king by birthright willingly offers these symbols of the throne to the one who will become king by God's own choosing. You see, Jonathan helps David to see himself, not as he had been, but as he could be, a quality we should look for as we seek to make new friends. Kate Shelnut is a journalist and an author and an editor at Christianity Today. She writes, you have to put in the time. That's something we struggle to do as we get older and busier, but it's crucial that we keep at it. Making new friends keeps us engaged in our own identity. Without getting to know other people, it's harder for us to know ourselves. 
She quotes Olivia Poole, an entrepreneur in San Francisco who created an app Kate calls essentially Tinder for female friends. Poole says, old friendships can limit who you can be based on who you've always been. But with new friendships, you can focus on who you are now and who you want to become. So in a new season of life, we need new friends. And how much time does it take exactly to make a new friend? Any guesses? How many hours does it take to make a new friend? A year. Good guess. Any other guesses? A study out of the University of Kansas that was released just this past March found it takes about 50 hours of socializing to go from acquaintance to casual friend. An additional 40 hours to become a real friend, whatever that means, and a total of 200 hours to become a close friend. 200 hours. So a practical piece of how-to advice on making friends is to not give up on casual acquaintances if things don't click and feel like best friend material right away. We have to give our budding friendships time to take root before we expect them to blossom. When I first moved to Chicago in 2013 from Arkansas and started having trouble making new friends, my first instinct, because it felt safer and easier, was to cling to old friendships I had from back home. But those close friends, as near and dear as they were and still are to me in many cases, they didn't understand anything about my new life. I was changing and I was growing and they couldn't relate. They were all or mostly all married and they couldn't identify with being single and trying to date in a big city, which is something I was really struggling with. They couldn't understand the academic rigors and the emotional challenges of seminary that I was experiencing. And they weren't around to just do life with me, to come over and watch a movie or grab a drink or be a shoulder to cry on. I needed new and changing friends for a new and changing me. See, making friends, making new friends, opens us up to the potential for both personal and spiritual growth. So another thing to think about as we brainstorm how-tos of making friends is for us, all of us, to spend some time reflecting on the kind of people we want to become and what kind of people we want surrounding us and supporting us on that journey. Now, I am a lover of languages and words, and especially when it comes to scripture, there's so much wisdom and meaning and a lot of humor in the Bible that just doesn't translate into English. So I could probably preach a whole sermon on the one little verse back at the very beginning of our passage from 1 Samuel. It goes like this. The soul of Jonathan was bound to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. The one other time that that word bound, or more literally knit, is used in the Hebrew Bible is when Joseph, the one with the amazing Technicolor dream coat, plants a cup in his youngest brother Benjamin's bag and threatens to keep him as a slave for stealing it. Does anybody remember this part of the story? All right, so of all of the other brothers, Benjamin is Joseph's only full brother. The two of them were Jacob's sons by Rachel, his second and favorite wife. 
The brothers know that having already lost Joseph, losing Benjamin too would be too much for their father to handle. Please don't take him, they beg. If we come home without him, our father will surely die, they say, seeing that his life is bound up in the boy's life. For one soul to be bound up with another, the Bible teaches us in this example of friendship, is for our very well-being and life to be bound up, to be knit to the life of another. That the joy of one friend becomes the joy of another. That the sorrows of one friend become the sorrows of another. Before we go about making real, authentic, lasting friendships, we have to be clear that that's what we're signing up for. And that those kinds of friendships are harder, but they're worth it. Also in Hebrew, in the Hebrew, the word for love in this text, ahav, has connotations not only of personal and emotional connection, the way that we often think about friendship, but it also has dimensions of social and political loyalty. So for Jonathan to want to become David's friend, for Jonathan to love David as his own soul, meant that they were committed to the same causes. They had the same allegiances. This love, this ahav, this friendship is not passive. It's very active. It's not just a feeling. It's an act of doing. It's a noun and it's a verb. I want to end with a story from the New Testament that reminds us of what it takes to be a friend of Jesus and of the difference-making love that is our commission as disciples. Christian talked a couple of weeks ago about how there are multiple different words in the Greek language for love. There's agape, which is this universal, all-of-humankind kind of love. And then there's philia, the deep love of friendship that exists between people who share common values, interests, and activities. So in this story in the New Testament, it's after the resurrection, and Jesus has appeared to his disciples by the lake early in the morning and sat down to join them for breakfast. Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Do you love me? Simon replies, yes, Lord, you know that I do. And Jesus gives him a command, feed my lambs. Jesus asked him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Again, Simon replies that of course he loves Jesus. And again comes Jesus's reply, tend my sheep. Then the question comes a third time, but this time it's slightly different. Simon, son of John, do you philia me? I know that you love me, Simon, with a universal, everyone kind of love, but Simon, are you my friend? It's only this time scripture tells us that Peter, Simon Peter is hurt by Jesus' question, that Jesus would question his friendship. Of course, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And again comes Jesus' command, then feed my sheep. To be a friend of Jesus, a filio kind of friend, we too must tend to Jesus' sheep. We have to continue to care for God's people just as Jesus did. 
That's what it looks like to be a disciple, to feed the poor and clothe the naked and visit the prisoner and be a voice for the voiceless and to advocate for the widow and the orphan. This is what it looks like to be a friend, both to Jesus and to everyone that we meet. Thanks be to God. Amen.